0: To increase concerns about global warming and stiff competition, industries are actively looking to cut their costs, carbon footprint and lead times. Additive manufacturing can help companies in achieving these goals by reducing waste and enabling them to build complex bio-inspired geometries which reduce weight and increase efficiency. As companies are now evaluating additive manufacturing for production and not only prototyping, the roles of materials is becoming more important to ensure the required mechanical properties, productivity and performance. In this episode of AM Infocast, powered by M4P, Metals for Printing, I am joined by Dr. Priyanshu Bajaj, Regional Manager, Asia-Pacific, M4P, where we discuss the challenges and opportunities of materials designed for metal additive manufacturing and talk about some cutting-edge applications only possible with developing new alloys for the use in the AM process. Tune into this episode as we talk about the evolving landscape of high conductivity alloys for additive manufacturing and the future of materials for metal additive manufacturing. Welcome to AIM Infocast Priyanshu. Great to have you here.
1: Thank you, Aditya. It's a pleasure to be here and, and get to speak with you. I'm sure uh, I'm looking forward to a very interesting conversation.
0: So Priyanshu, you come with a diverse experience of working in manufacturing organizations and uh, recently even in, you know, research institutions. Uh, can you share a bit about your journey interacting with additive manufacturing industry and especially working on the metallurgical aspects?
1: So I'll take a step back, Aditya. I'll, I'll start with the beginning, you know, how I got into additive manufacturing. It was uh, sometime, you know, immediately after my bachelor's from VNIT, which was in metallurgical, metallurgy and materials. So I've had, a, you know, a, a background in metallurgical side of it since since my engineering days. And after that, I was working in Pune, uh, Kalyani Forge and Raymond's Engineering uh, in the forging business, you know, uh, traditional industry. As you would imagine, those those are very conventional industries. So it was fun a couple of years uh, when when we could, you know, do some new things. I, I worked on introducing a new sort of a heat treatment using micro large steel, uh, wherein, you know, you can directly process the materials and skip the heat treatment. But that very soon, you know, you get stagnant. It's it's, it's mass manufacturing uh, you set the process up and then you hope it will run uh, the same for many, many uh, years. And I was just starting to look around for newer, more exciting opportunities. And that was also the time around 2013, 2014, when as a country, as a nation, we were, you know, Moving towards uh, advanced manufacturing, so industries like aerospace, uh, medical implants, those are coming in. And I was part of ASM, uh, ASM International Pune chapter, and I just happened to be in a talk on on MIM, metal injection molding, which you know is is sort of a precursor to to additive manufacturing. And that was when I decided, okay, this this seems interesting, this sounds good. And then I went for my masters in University of Sheffield in UK and that was where I really got my hands on into AM that the first project I worked on uh, for was was AM of tungsten on an old uh, MTT Renishaw machine so that that was where it all started since then you know I then after that I I, I moved to uh, Germany for the PhD again on metal AM this was uh, largely on working with aluminiums and managing steels across processes i was looking at ded i was looking at uh, laser powder bed fusion uh, working with custom machines so we had a lots of hands-on experience with the machine and that, that was fun that was fun we we're trying to make something new uh, trying to use the powers. you know uh, designing the materials for am and yeah have
0: been there since yeah that's great priyanshu you know thanks for sharing the journey you know you took identifying AM as an as a industry you would like to work and excel in. You know, and, and this industry is really growing very fast. You know, it's uh, estimated that it was about $10 billion in 2019. And it's projected to grow at a CAGR of almost 18% until 2027. So, what challenges and opportunities do you see here for materials, you know, specially designed for additive manufacturing?
1: So, Aditya, materials here is going to be very, very important. When we say that, you know, the industry is growing at 18%, uh, we have to really look at reasons why it is growing, right? And what is happening during this growth, uh, AM is not new. I mean, uh, the process has been around since 1990s, even before people have been doing additive manufacturing in a research environment. So so the technology is not new. And now what we have to see is, uh, and this this is what will answer your question, right? We have to see what is driving this growth. Why, why are we seeing these rapid growth, almost 18% of growth, now right it could have happened a decade ago it could have to have happened two decades ago right why now and this this has to this is in my in my view in my mind this is because it is it it now fits the overarching political environment it now fits the overarching economics of you know uh making site so every country now wants manufacturing to be in place you know and this this completely breaks down the uh, earlier global globalization focus on you know mass manufacturing, make it uh, make it as a third party, it's, you know third country, make it in large numbers and export throughout the world. That is now changing. We want people are now demanding that things should be made in smaller batches, in in a more sustainable way, in in a more customized manner and politically even you know uh, we we have moving from a unipolar superpower world to a more multipolar world and this this is again something which 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 bids well for a and, you know additive manufacturing is well suited when you want to do production in small batches small runs when you want to do a lot of customization and especially uh, when you are looking at advanced industries uh, so things like things like aerospace or medical implants uh, or 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 security or, you know those those kind of industries so this is this is what is really driving the growth on the other hand if, if you look at industries what is happening there is having having established and having seen the potential of am early on uh, in, in, in the past decade with prototyping uh, and having seen the advantages of it Now, slowly and gradually people are moving towards production of components using additive manufacturing. And this brings, you know, a lot of materials in focus. It gives us opportunity to solve a lot of material problems. Uh, But before I venture into that, uh, I just wanted to point to some numbers. It's not just that the industry is growing at 18%. If you look close, it is also projected that the share of materials, in this, in this global AM market is going to increase from 18%, which was in 2018, to almost around 27%, which was in 2029. So you see a lot of, when, when you go into production, materials, the raw material cost becomes, and the share of raw material cost, of course, becomes higher uh, because you fix the design, you fix the production, and then all you have to do is tap, 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 print, print, print. And of course, then the share of raw material price you know, raw material to the total industry size goes up. Uh, What it allows, uh, you know, us as materials engineers, as metallurgists to do is it gives us opportunity to solve some of the fundamental problems in AM from the material view, you know, we have as of now, or let's say not as of now, but as of three years ago, right? As of three, four years ago, the materials you're printing were materials which were developed for other processes, maybe casting, maybe forging, but not really designed for AM. And when you look at the history of material science, it's always that materials have been designed keeping a process in mind. So we have steels designed for machining. Uh, We have aluminum alloys designed for casting. We have different alloys designed for forging. We, you know, in in the automotive world, we have even, you know, specific steel grades designed for making just one component connecting rods. Unfortunately for AM, uh, we don't have them now because the numbers were not that large. But as we are moving from prototyping to production, which means that we can fix a material, we can change materials and there's a significant volume of these materials, which is expected. We can go back to the drawing boards and we can design materials uh, which, which have been optimized for use in AM, meaning uh, we can use the high cooling rate we get here for our advantages. We can design materials which do not crack so easy because of higher residual stresses. Can design materials, uh, which which control the solidification and solve one of the biggest problems, which is basically that, you know, on one hand, we have very high strength materials. To give you an example, in aluminum alloys, 6,000 series or 7,000 series alloys, which cannot be printed in AM, right? And the alloys which can be printed in AM, uh, for example, ALS at NMG, well, that does not have a very good mechanical property level. So we currently require to make a, a significant consideration or, or an adjustment in, in our design or and requirements to, to lower the mechanical property requirements. And that is not good. So, yeah, we, it gives us an opportunity to solve these problems as, as metallurgists. And this is really what, what excites me and what we are trying to do at M4P.
0: Yeah, that's great, Rianshwar. And, and thanks for, you know, pointing out the importance of how metal powders or materials are uh, the role they are going to play in, in the growth of additive manufacturing in the coming years. You know, can you share a couple of examples of alloys which you have developed at uh, M4P or metals for printing where you're currently uh, working at? For additive manufacturing and what's the advantages you have achieved
1: oh yes for sure aditya thank you that's a very good question the one material which really is my favorite and has been you know with me for now five years it was the same material system i worked on a phd and now uh one of my favorite material at mPOP is an aluminum scandium alloy so this fundamentally uh, solves the problem we are talking about earlier with high strength aluminum alloys, 6,000, 7,000 series not being printable because you end up with, you know, solidification cracking. What this does is aluminum scandium uh, is a system, it's a peritectic system. So so basically you do not have any solidus temperature, you know, you, you, you cannot have any homogeneous solid solution. What this means is as soon as we start uh, solidifying the material, the first particles to solidify are the aluminum 3 scandium precipitates? And what this does is these precipitates pin the grains. So instead of having you know long columnar grains, I end up with much smaller, more or less EQAx columnar mixed grains, which basically prevent solid segregation to the grain boundaries and therefore cracking. What is also Allows is because you know of the very high cooling rates up to 10 to the power 4 kelvin per second uh, we we can achieve in in AM it allows us to retain a very high fraction of tantalum in the solid solution so I have a oversaturated solid solution which on you know on heat treatment which is a very simple heat treatment so unlike traditional materials you do not have to quench it. You do not have to, uh, you know, heat it up, cool it down and quench it very fast. No, it's a simple heat treatment. You age it, directly age it between, you know, 300 to 400, depending on the requirement and hold it for some time and you get the properties. So it solves two, three problems. One is you get, what happens during this uh, this aging is I'm again precipitating uh, nano-sized aluminum trees, scandium precipitates, which gives the, which really gives the material strength. And this is one of the materials which conventionally would not work because when you're, you're, your cooling rate is slow, all of the scandium you lose, you know, in the primary and you won't have anything to give you strength. So it really takes advantage of the process. It is really designed for the process of additive manufacturing. It takes care of, you know, it, it takes, it uses the high cooling rate to retain super saturated matrix. And then, you know, during the heat treatment, it does not, you do not need to quench it, which again is very important when you think about it. We can make very complicated shapes in the end, but when you want to heat treat it, you have to heat it to a high temperature and then cool it very, very fast. What happens during this is you create a lot of residual stresses, especially when you're dealing with very thin cross sections or different cross sections. So one is a thicker cross section and uh, next to it you have a very thin cross section to create residual stresses, which could lead to again, you know, cracking, which is part one of the problem. Part two is you could have areas where your quenching could not reach. So maybe channels, maybe maybe in subsurface areas, so where your, your quenching cannot reach and then you have variation in properties. You avoid all of this because here, with this material, you do not need to quench it. You can directly age it. So this was my favorite material, the strength here, M4P strength here. Then, of course, uh, we we are working with a lot of steels. Here, our idea is not really to develop new grades, which is also what we can do, but what we are looking at more in terms of steel is Making more of the conventional materials processable. How we do it is, you know, the the ranges are really wide, conventionally speaking. And because we are making materials in smaller quantities, I mean, uh, for us, a 300, 400 kilo batch is a large one. But when you take things conventional, uh, 50 tons is a small batch, right? So working with such small sizes gives us a lot of control and we could fine tune the chemistries. Very very precisely. So what we are doing is we are limiting in some cases the amount of impurities allowed, the gaseous content allowed, limiting the ranges in, in a finer tighter control, and making and then of course developing the process parameters. At M4P we are not just product manufacturers. We also have AM systems, you know, which allows us to develop process parameters. So when you buy material from us. We support through and through. We support you from the material selection to the process development, to the process, uh, uh, to the heat treatment development, and you know throughout the chain. So here we are. Some of the materials that we have, let's say, made processable, which earlier thought to be not processable in AM, is the H11, which is you know Fe2343, uh, the conventional uh, material used largely in tooling industry. We have a CX Plus material, which is basically a stainless steel tool steel. So you'll get properties similar to MS-1, but it will be polishable and stainless steel. So you could use it where you, you know, uh, want um, a very fine surface finish on your on your plastic components or where you are uh, working with corrosive media, you know, you, your polymer is corrosive. And then we recently launched a duplex steel and a super duplex steel. Then we have a material called Type 13X, we have 16 MnCr5 materials. So a lot of these materials conventionally used, and we're just trying to you know make them make them processable in AM.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. You know, thanks for sharing those real life examples because that really validates you know the use of uh, material for the additive manufacturing industry and you know how ma- materials are being designed for this uh, technology. Uh, that that's mm-hmm. great, uh, Anshu, and. You know, there are a lot of talk about conductive alloys, you know, recently. How do you see the high use of high conductive alloys for additive manufacturing evolving?
1: Another great question, Agda. So, conductive alloys is a wider family of materials, right? It involves everything from aluminiums to coppers to refractory alloys, uh, tungsten, molybdenum, tantalum. And when you think of these materials, why they are interesting for us in particular is because of the processability. Intrinsically, uh, these materials are a bit harder to process. Why? A, because you will always have lower uh, absorptivity, laser absorptivity in these materials. Uh, Laser absorptivity is inversely proportional to conductivity of the metal. So so whenever you have a high conductivity metal, you will always have lower lower, uh, laser absorptivity, which means that if you're giving, if you're inputting 200 watts of power, if your steel could absorb 120, just rough numbers here, no, no, no accurate numbers. If your steel could absorb 120, um, uh, something like copper might absorb only like, like 40. So you really need a lot more power to melt these materials. But then because it is reflecting a lot of this power, uh, there's a chance you can damage your optics. So if the reflected beam goes back into your laser optics uh, you you can there's a chance you can damage that. Then of course because the conductivity is higher the thermal gradient in the in the components you are making is really really high. So the what I mean by thermal gradient is the temperature difference right so temperature difference near your melt pool in the top layer vis-a-vis low bottom layers that the difference in Temperature is really, really high. And when the difference is temperature is really, really high, because a lot of these materials also have a high uh, ex- coefficient of expansion, there's a strain which is formed, right? So the hotter material is trying to expand while the cold <clears throat> material is trying to contract. And because all of this is just one component, you have one side of the component which is trying to expand, you know, or trying to be longer or wider. And you have a bottom which is trying to shrink. And this causes a lot of stress in the material, which, of course, could lead to cracking, and which is what happens in a lot of these materials. So we have one problem is that they are conductive, which means that they absorb less, so you need a lot more power. And second, on the second level, you have, if you could melt it, then you have high residual stresses or high thermal stresses, which could lead to cracking. So there is a very small window of opportunity we have to make these materials. Coming to why are we talking about all this, right? Why is it interesting? So copper is, of course, very interesting uh, and getting more so because of its use in electric cars, electric vehicles, motors, heat transfer. So inside the batteries, you need heat transfer. All of the electric cars inside the battery, you need a heat transfer. You need to cool the batteries. The cooler you run the battery, the better the performance. So you have heat transfer within the within the batteries, you have a lot of motors, a lot of co- coils. Then in the space, aerospace sector, a lot of rocket engines are now being made, uh, rocket nozzles are being made in copper. So if you read about launcher, the, the, the entire nozzle is being made of copper. So we have, then of course, we have a lot of induction coils making. So a lot of, uh, when you move towards light weighting of cars, what you want to do, essentially, or is you want to then have a graded property in your material. So you want your gears or your shaft to be very hard on the outside, but you want the toughness to be retained in the inside. How you do do is, is largely by case hardening. And for case hardening, you need induction coils. So there you have it, you have induction coils, you have motors, you have heat transfer applications in automotive you have nozzles, uh, so aerospace nozzles, uh, rocket nozzles, and so on. This is for copper, aluminium. Again, you know, as we are moving towards light and electric cars, electric cars essentially need to be lightweight, you know, for them to be uh, having a longer range. The use of aluminium is increasing. From steels, you are moving to a lot more aluminium. And uh, even though you might not produce, mass produce any of these cars in aluminium, the prototype will be done by AM, right? Uh, Sorry, uh, you you might not mass-produce them by additive manufacturing, but the prototyping will be done by additive manufacturing. So aluminum is again becoming very, very interesting and for all the other reasons as well, Uh, heat transfer. uh, Even the LED lights, you know, LED lights, you need to heat transfer them, you you need to cool them, and for this you need heat transfer nozzles, heat transfer channels, uh, which again are made of aluminum. Then you have tungsten. Tungsten is essentially uh, the largest demand comes from the medical industry. So all your uh, CT scans, X-rays, you you need to channel uh, the the X-rays, right? The high energy particles, and the only material you could use here is is either tungsten or maybe molybdenum. And what you need here is very fine grids. So these are grids like you know you have in your know, air cons, but much much finer. And there you use it to uh, streamline your airflow, air circulation, you know, to 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 a specific portion of the room. And here you use it to to channel the X-rays to a specific uh, beam, you know, so it's not spreading and you can contain it. And this is one of the biggest use for tungsten, molybdenum, tantalum. They have similar applications. As again, we are moving towards a greener energy which means away from burning coal, uh, we will need a lot more nuclear energy and here as well uh, these uh, materials come into picture so overall uh, as we move away from electric towards electric cars as we move towards nuclear energy as we become more active in space all of these materials will will and are gaining uh, you know a lot more attention a lot more focus
0: yeah, that's very interesting insight on on the potential which, uh, you know, conductive alloys have, how additive manufacturing can be used to leverage these for all these applications you mentioned. So, you know, to sum up our uh, conversation today, what do you think is the future of materials for, uh, you know, metal additive manufacturing, you know, any trends you would like to share with the audience? I think,
1: I don't think I need to point it to your audience, but I would still like to mention it. Is not what we would expect, but what we'll never see in my mind, at least, is we'll never see AM replacing conventional manufacturing. What we will see more and more is uh, is uh, the conventional manufacturing technologies and AM working in sync with each other, complementing each other. So we will see more and more prototypes being made in AM, uh, some specialized components being made in AM, part of the components being made in AM, tooling made in AM, and Really complementing the conventional manufacturing AM. On the materials front, I see a lot more happening. I see a lot more happening. There's so much more we can do. Uh, I mean, we are already seeing this. Uh, we have a few materials which have been designed for AM. Uh, the strength L, uh, the CX Plus, the TIE 13 x the FE-2343. Uh, you know, we we have a host of materials which have been specifically designed for AM. But we are not the only ones. Our competitors have some, uh, especially in aluminum, right? Some specially designed nickel alloys where where you also have a similar problem, right? You, you can make the 939, you can make the uh, the standard materials, but when you, uh, you know, the 625s, the 718s, but when you want to go towards high strength, uh, the CM247s, you, you suddenly start getting cracking. So you need this in the nickel side as well. Uh, and that is happening and you'll see more of it coming. Again, it's, it's a fancy, this this comes from my PHA project. I don't know if it will be a reality, but I hope it will be Yeah. So what is happening is whenever we make things in AM, we are subjecting the material to a thermal cycle, a very unique peak like thermal cycle. So when you deposit a layer, the material experiences a thermal spike. Then you go on and deposit the next layer and you experience the material experience, another thermal spike. Another layer, another thermal spike. And this way you have a very, you know, peak like uh, time temperature profile. This is unlike anything we have seen. Conventional manufacturing, it will always be, you heat up at a certain date, you hold on for a certain time, you cool down at a certain date. You will do this two, three times max. Here, you are doing it, I don't know, 20 times, maybe more, 100 times. And it's very sharp heating, very sharp cooling, repeated. And we can use this to harden the material, to, improve, to induce heat treatment to the material while we are making the components. You know, imagine uh, you are making the component and you are heat heating it at the same time. So you will have at the end a component which is to use, no heat treatment required. This is part one. Another crazy idea, uh, which I hope we could see at some time, is inside the machine, it's not just the metal. We have metal, the laser, and then normally we have a media, a gaseous media. Normally, it's argon or nitrogen, which does not do much. But imagine we can make the gas and metal react to form certain uh, precipitates, certain things inside the metal, which could strengthen the metal. So if you have, for example, nitrogen, and you can use it to make uh, nitrides in aluminum, you have a nitride-strengthened aluminum alloy. If you have uh, CO2, for example, and you're making steel inside laser, CO2 would break into carbon and oxygen, and the oxygen could potentially react with steel to form oxides, and you could have oxide dispersion steels. That is one. Those are two ideas. I think we are seeing spouts of it. Then we have a lot of opportunity going on towards the closed loop control. Modern machines come with a lot of lot of sensors. We can, you know, accurately measure the temperatures. We can measure the the layers. We can measure the melt pools. And I imagine that it's not too far that you know we can link all of this up and we can see. Uh, on-the-go uh, process parameters being changed to maintain a constant pool or thermal dynamics so that you have the same component over and over and over again, but maybe not the same parameters. Scientifically, this is possible, but industrially speaking, it, will, it needs a change of mindset, right? Conventionally speaking, we are, uh, in the industries, we are trained to uh, set processes to fix parameters, to use the same parameters, to use the same processes over and over and over again. And that, generally speaking, leads to the same outcome. But because in AM, it's so it's so small, it's so many factors, maybe we need to focus on the end result and let the machine decide the parameters. I know it sounds strange, it sounds um, a bit weird and a bit, uh, you know, a bit foreign but why not with with machine learning coming in uh, it's possible it, in the research world we have seen it happening and i absolutely believe this 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 is the way to go when will this happen i don't know will this
0: happen i'm quite sure yeah that's great you know, that's thanks for sharing your views from your crystal ball on what uh you know <laughs> things we will see uh, in the you know metal additive manufacturing space going ahead, and this I'm sure is a food for thought for a lot of people. And uh, you know we wish you good luck for the next year and you know successfully to close all your uh, endeavours.
1: Oh thank you Aditya, thank you very much, and I wish you the same. I I really hope you keep doing what you're doing, and and we I I really learn a lot from from all the content that you bring together. And I wish you the best. I, I hope uh, together we, we succeed in making uh, the, the AM ecosystem
0: here that you, that you envision. Yeah, definitely. Look forward to working together. Thank you, Aritha. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AM Infocast powered by M4P. Do tune in to all our podcast episodes on amchronicle.com.